Uh, my name is Marty Catola. I'm a local filmmaker. Uh, we're presenting you a panel on what I call the snowball effect. That's actually a term borrowed from Kevin Smith, but it's very apropos to uh, how we made our last movie. The snowball effect is very similar to like getting the, when the dominoes start to tumble, or even the secrets, you know, or if, if you build it, they will come. It's that type of thing. When we first started the uh, idea for this this movie, it was, it was virtually nothing. We had, you know, maybe two of us trying to get a movie together, and then one person comes on board, and then another person comes on board, and then other people see, oh, you're doing stuff. I want to be on board. And the next thing you know, it's a giant snowball, which is still rolling completely out of control, and why we're here right now. Uh, this is the movie in many ways that Tuscon built. Two years ago, uh, Fred was gracious enough to book our previous movie called Writing Frenzy in the video room. It had a very uh, overwhelming positive response. People in the room said, we want to see more from these characters. We thought, there's no more for these characters. I thought this was the end for this. But see, these two guys here, Nate Campbell and Eric Schumacher, who were in the previous movie, have been asking me for about, oh, nine years at this point, when are you going to make the sequel? So in a way, you were the beginning of the snowball. But then once the audience at Tuscon said they liked the movie so much and they wanted to see more, I recorded that, put it up as a podcast. Cliff, my co-writer and co-founder, runner of the film company I do, he heard that. Next thing you know, he's writing the script. So a few months later, we uh, still didn't have any money to do it. And we had an Indiegogo raise maybe $300, $400, not nearly enough to make a, a feature film off of. And we decided, you know what? It's now or never. We have to, we have to take the lead. Uh, also, another thing that helped motivate us, and I think it's part of that snowball effect as well, was our buddies uh, Patrick Griffin, who's not here, and Joseph Yergo, right over there, uh, wanted to do a documentary about the making of our next movie, whatever that was. And we thought, well, we're thinking about making this movie right now. Maybe we should jump on this, because they say they want to do this. And, but we don't have the resources. Ah, screw it, let's just jump in. So on January 1st this year, we decided to do that. Went into uh, auditioning, finding locations. Still didn't have any money, but it wasn't gonna stop us. We had our first read-through, of which Jeff Knocken attended. He was just gonna be customer number seven. He was so impressed by the read-through, he came on as one of the producers. Then the next thing I know, Cliff's father's throwing us some money. And now the budget's up to close to six grand, which is what we wanted in the first place. So I'm still in shock how that happened, but it did, and it led us to where we are now. And let me introduce some of our other people here. We have Olivia Blake, who plays Katie in the upcoming movie we mentioned. So, and we also have Bradford Trojan, who is uh, taking over the role of Billy Shaw. And this is, I mean, geez, more than half the people in the room are involved in this movie. <laughs> it's kind of like I had said in the Tuscon program, this half of the people at Tuscon are involved in this movie. And it's almost true. We've got uh, David Lee Summers, who played customer number two. He buys his own book in the movie. Right behind him is customer number one, Christian, who buys the book. We got Bobby and Elisa. Without them, where the hell would we be? That's another example of a snowball effect. Our so it's just, it's crazy how this all came together. Hopefully they'll let us show it here next year when it's done. And Jeff put together a little slideshow. I love And it's going to show us the various things that you need to get your project up and going. Should we get the lights? I don't know. I kind of like the lights being on. You can see it, right? Yeah, we can see What's the audience like? What do you think? Audience? I see it looks fine. Well, if, if you can read it in the front row, then it's probably fine for everyone else. Yeah. I can read it and I have bad eyes. Go. <laughs> I'd say that is a yes. Okay. Fireworks. Oh, get or write a great script. That really helps because that gets people involved and they want to be a part of it. You can even have a crappy script, but if you've got enough enthusiasm and drive, you can also get people involved. But it really does help 
if you have a good script. I'm glad everybody liked it. That's Cliff. He was the co-director. He's my co-writer. He is the rock and foundation of Pondo Enterprises. I've been working with him since 1988. And the, you, you mentioned this briefly, but last year, well, for, for quite a long period of time, my great friend Eric said to me, oh, yeah, I'm working on this comic book film, we're doing this indie comic book film, indie comic book film. And every time he would mention that, I'd interrupt him and go, I want to be in it. And, and he goes, yeah, 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 I've already got you in mind for a part, and uh, it's yeah, a small part, but it's funny, you'll like it. And so I kept hearing this, and it became sort of a joke with us, and any time he mentioned the comic book film, I go, have you got a part for me in that film? <laughs> so, then, so then he sends me the script, and I read it, I read, uh, and I really liked it. And, and we, uh, certainly Eric and I, and probably everyone in the cast, enjoy planting uh, cast and crew, sorry, enjoy planting little amusing things in, in the film. And so the idea was I would walk into the comic book store and I would buy a copy of my own book that I'd written about my life in the comic industry. Whoa, so self-referential. <laughs> so we had the, the read-through at Charlie's Comics, which is one of the main locations for the, for the film. And I already knew Marty and Eric and met the rest, met this guy and her and this guy, amazingly talented cast. And I read my bit, I shouldn't really admit this, but you know, I read my bit, I'm busy, I read my bit of the script and I learned that, it's very small, I go to the read through, but that was the first time I really understood the film, I was sitting there with the cast, hearing them read through and I go, good grief, this is a fantastic script. And I was getting more and more excited as the read through went on and the fact that we were in a comic book shop doing the read through was very exciting and then as soon as it was, as it was over everyone's chit-chatting and I go outside and I go Eric I need to talk to you right away and I dragged him outside and I go, do you think the guys might be interested in having somebody else come on board as a producer and he goes what, what, who and I go me and he goes oh really well I'll, I'll talk to them and he goes why and I got such a fantastic script and I want to be part of it so Thank you very much. Thank you. For you the opportunity. You also and helped us with the art direction and set direction. I did wear a few oh, hats, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, we'll get onto yeah. that later. And so I met Eric at my first Tuscon. And so for me, also, none of this, I mean, none of this would have happened without Tuscon. Yeah. And we, we were talking about, I was talking about this at the address last night. There's so many people at Tuscon that were involved with this film in one way or another. And most of the extras in the film are here, uh, as Marty said, half of them in this room. So that, that, was how I, that was how I got involved. And the other half will be in the next one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you don't plan, forget it. Filmmaking is planning. You'd agree on that, right, Eric? Oh, 90, 95% is planning. A ton of pre-production. Uh, rehearsing. A lot of big-budget movies will not do rehearsals. They don't have the time or the money. You would think they would, but they don't. And we also did our first storyboards for this movie, which... Forget it helped immensely. If you don't pre-visualize the shots, you don't know where you're coming in and out. Somebody's hand will be here, it'll be over here in the next shot. Editing nightmare, but not this time. There it, we are studying. It's one of the things that really impressed me about watching you and Cliff work together. It's it's very unusual to see two directors working together. Often right. you'll, in, a, in a TV series, you'll have a lot of different directors, maybe each person doing an episode, or you'll have a, a film, a big film like The Longest Day, where different directors do different segments. But you guys work really well together, and I was so impressed by the planning. And when Cliff came to town, we really shot most of the movie in two weeks. Yeah. And it was long days every day. You took one day off, right? Something to like one that. afternoon off, yeah. I think, a Sunday. Just for a day where we couldn't find people scheduled. But it's one of those things where the more you put in at the beginning, the easier it is when you get on location. Yeah. When you're on set, you don't have the time to figure these things out. And all the time you do ahead of time will save you so much. I'm basically saying what you just said. <laughs> I'm not a guy who likes to plan, really. So it was a very good learning lesson for me to watch how well they did all of this. Cliff and I share the same brain, too, so it helps. Here's a question for you. Uh, when you got on the set, how, how much of the time did you dump your storyboards and reconceive? Oh, that's also a very good question. Uh, we would always consult them, but if the, the, after a couple days, we realized, I don't need to do this, I don't need to do this, here's why I'm going to do this, this, and this. And so we would adapt from them. But if we hadn't had them in the first place, we, we, we would have been lost a lot of the time. 
but we didn't stick 100% to them that we used them more as a guideline. Low budget, low budget. <laughs> low budget does not mean unprofessional. That's true, it doesn't. Because you can have a big budget and be completely unprofessional as well. It could work that way. Uh, we had a blast. And, and we were very efficient. And we were all there for a reason. We knew why we were there. There was no goofing around. There was no prima donna. There was nothing like that. I mean, that day right there is a good example. Hottest day of the summer. And we're out there with big smiles on our faces. And did anybody even get sunburned that day? I, I don't no. think we did. You had that tent that you pulled up. See, this is another thing. Jeff just keeps pulling these things out. Oh, uh, we need a tent. I got a tent. Well, we need a restaurant. I know somebody with a restaurant. And that's another good example. You, you pull in all these great people and great resources, and then they'll have everything that you need to, to make your to make your movie. The story that I love about that day it was our, one of our one of our stars, uh, Rachel, who uh, plays Zoe, the namesake has tattoos and we had to cover the tattoos because she's wearing uh, a super heroine type costume. I'm going to just skip ahead to a, a picture of her while I'm talking and then we'll, we'll come back and, and revisit these. But uh, no, I'm going too far. So we had a makeup artist who was going to do that, do the tattoo cover up and at the last minute the makeup artist cancelled and so I had to call Marty and Cliff at about quarter to nine in the morning on the shoot day and go, my makeup artist just cancelled. I'll sort it out somehow. Do you have any suggestions? And they said, uh, you'll figure it out. So, <laughs> so, so I went, I, I'm sitting in the parking lot in the Foothills Mall at 8.45 and I'm going, we're supposed to start shooting in 15 minutes. So uh, wonders of smartphones, found a makeup shop that was open and drove there immediately and walked in. I was the first customer and there's two... Uh, very vivacious women in there who both had a, had a kind of Cindy Lauper thing going, like great big hair and super makeup and everything. And I go, I'm in a bit of a jam. I'm a film producer and I'm shooting a film and I, my star has got body tattoos and I need to cover them up and we've just got to, what have you got? And they go, oh no, we don't do body cover up. Uh, you need to go to XYZ body cover up shop in Sierra Vista for that. And I go, no, I have time. I'm going to take whatever is the best recommendation you have. And they really got into it. They go, okay then, well you need to start with this. And I know it seems weird and we pulled all this stuff out. And I drove up there and we have a beautiful charismatic actress in her superheroine costume and I'm the only guy who's not doing anything. So <laughs> I was just taking location photographs that day and I don't really know anything about makeup but figured it out. And so I did the body makeup for Zoe that day. And one of you guys took a photo of me that I posted on Instagram of when doing putting the makeup yeah, on yeah. putting makeup on a superhero and who doesn't want to do that and the, the, right well that was the yeah. thing so so i captioned my instagram photograph as of today doing makeup on location i'm now reasonably sure i've done every single job in this business <laughs> i didn't have makeup it's also funny as an aside to that and also the reason that jeff does all the stuff he enjoys doing it he just gets a huge kick out of it that makes a big difference too if you don't like doing this and you shouldn't be in this field but we were out there in the desert, and Cliff was screaming, I need a rock, because we needed a rock for a prop. And we got the freaking geologist here with us. <laughs> and then we realized, you, you find us a rock. <laughs> that, was your, that was one of your best moments that was in, so in the film. So, so, so what is, explain the scene. So we were trying to please, do, please. it was a trippy kind of scene. My character's tripping out. He's, that's a, a dream sequence thing. And uh, so one of them, we wanted a rock so I could like have a, some water behind it and drink looked like the water was coming out of the rock. And uh, it had to be the right rock, the right size, it had to be the right shape. And, um, yeah, so that's what it yeah. was. <laughs> it was it wasn't right priceless, man, was it? Because yeah. Cliff's getting kind of, God damn it, we can't find the right rock, and I can see the bottle, and he goes, we've got a goddamn geologist on the group. You go find it. Like, you would need a geologist to find a rock that's the right size yeah. and shape. It's nothing to do with geology. It's actually more like art direction. But we, we, we all had a good laugh about that. There's Elisa out there in the desert getting some great shots for us. That was what I think the professionalism aspect to me was not just the cast who were fantastic, but our, our crew were so good. And, and Bobby and Elisa who are, who are sitting right here were, Bobby was our director of photography and Elisa was the sound director. Sound director? 
and and she did a lot of location management. And the the two of them are a, like a two person production studio. Kind of an army. Yeah, it's it's, 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 yeah. it's really impressive. It's <laughs> like having a a full crew. And, and so Bobby will be filming and, and Lisa's doing the sound and they work really well together. And originally you were, Bobby, you were just going to do certain, you were going to do some of the key scenes in the film. Right, right. The, the director of photography role, with, you know, instructing cameramen basically how to set up the shots and what type of uh, format that we wanted uh, in, in key shots and have somebody else, you know, actually do the shooting. But uh, fortunately we had the time off to, to come off and We were available. Shoot, uh, it was all about availability. We wanted to be on set the whole time. Oh, I'm like, great. Oh, yeah, just you. lucked out that the, the stars aligned and we were available the entire. Shoot. What was great about that is that we actually had we were able to have two cameramen basically on the scene at one time, so we get multiple angles at the same time, which I think saved a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, and probably editing because you have the same angle yeah. twice. Definitely multi-cams the way to go with the technology of syncing it up nowadays. Yeah, we had an additional cameraman, Mark Brady, and Deacon, as he calls himself. Which is He's like Cher, he goes by one name. And they were, you know, under, under Bobby's, uh, uh, I guess, leadership, you would think Bobby's running all the cameras. It, it, it matches up that well. Yeah. And Bobby and I share a lot of overlapping abilities. I'm also a cinematographer, though I yield to him because he's so much more mathematical and better about it. But I was able to help out because I have that skill set the last 20 years, uh, being, especially out in the desert. And being able to get all that extra B-roll. Yeah. And that's, that's Bobby and Cliff. Yeah. Working like together. I know, they look like brothers. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys really do. We copied each other's beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would get all confused on the set. I know. Something I really like is when a director says to the DP, what do you, you know, what do you think? Instead of just, so a lot of directors just go, get this shot, do this shot, do that. But I noticed that both you guys conferred with Bobby a lot. And when you work together, it makes such a big difference, especially when we're a small team and you've got really limited time. And then I don't remember any instance, at least I was there not all the time, but most of the time. I don't really, I don't remember any headbanging going on. Well, you know, and that's what I was going to actually have Marty talk about that. And, and since Cliff's not here too, it's just this is the ease of, you know, Bobby's worked with a lot of different directors and he had, it's like synergy. When you get the right DP with the right director, it just magic happens. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Bobby has had that with a very few. Uh, Alan Williams is the other one that they just did beautiful stuff. And I think both you and Cliff, though you're so different, you both worked with Bobby and you, you know, and Bobby had a very, I mean, you could speak yeah. to that. I mean, it's magic. Yeah. It's great. Well, you're the wizard. Maybe she could have a little wizard hat for the next one. I, I saw an interview with a, a director of yeah. photography said the DP should stand for director's power. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you get uh, directors who are very in control of the camera, and sometimes they want your feedback. Right. right. Cliff was, and you were just outstanding. Well, we had to do some pickups after the fact when Cliff had went back to Oklahoma City, and thanks to you, you can't tell the difference between my footage and Cliff's footage. It all blends together. Mm -hmm. Find the best-looking, most talented cast possible. Well, they found us. <laughs> it's the crazy part. And now, that's a great shot right there. Oh, Olivia oh, and Mike, who plays Owen, the little crony at the store. Uh, you know, we just we, we were blessed this time. We a, a great cast came out for auditions. It was a very difficult process of, of figuring out who we wanted for what part. But I think everybody ended up just where they were supposed to be and like I said earlier we didn't have anybody who was a problem everybody was just well except for uh, except that guy on that day he was completely out of control so, so here, here he is without his beard looking so handsome and youthful when he walked in I didn't even recognize him that was uh, that was the rock that was the drinking out of that the rock that was the drinking out of the rock day. scene crazy day which we got to have just a lot of fun out there running around and it's You're funny because on the previous movies, I we didn't hire actors. We stuck our friends in front of the camera. And, That's not a good idea. They're not actors. Hire actual actors. There's people that actually want to do this stuff, and they're out there, and they'll do it for almost next to nothing. 
Fun. This was like we kind of came off of a really late night, and I'm uh, <laughs> probably about three in the morning. Oh, it was, it was brutal. Four, and then we got up a few hours later, and then went right out to the desert and started doing this. So it was kind of like perfect it, it uh, dream to sequence. It, it adds to the delirium. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go back. Oh, no, I'll go back to those, but that was okay. Well, here's well, there's uh, Rachel. Beautiful makeup like work. Friends, you know? Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 Can't see your tattoo oh, at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> costume designed by uh, Ginger. Yep. By your uh, wife. Lovely yeah. wife, who is also a customer and a props mistress and a few other things. Trigger? Um, uh, yeah, she's actually uh, selling uh, selling soap um, in the vending area. Mm -hmm. um, you said we're going to go back to that picture of True. Uh, sorry, which one? The one before. Uh, uh, there we go. Uh, we shot a couple of scenes in Isla Games, who are a sponsor of the con. See, once again, it all just ties together. And that's Patrick, who was in the previous movies, who was also the guy making the documentary on the left there. And some of you might know Drew, who runs Isla Games. He graciously let us shoot in his store. He's also, that was a, blast. also a fine actor. Uh, he is. He's oh, very good. He's funny. Perhaps uh, he has a lot of uh, comedy theater, so he's just, a, I mean, one of the most amazing comedic actors I've ever worked with. Um, also, uh, so part of that connection, a uh, company I'm a partner in, Sealy Studios, did a 13-season uh, branded web series called Bob and Angus Show for a very large game manufacturer. It was a puppet show, and Drew was Angus the Black Sheep uh, for, for, for about 200 episodes. Wow. Uh, and and uh, so we really wanted him for this film. Uh, and he was also uh, gracious enough to play a role, so. Let's go back to the desert. <laughs> Isn't that the next picture? The desert. Yeah. Uh, that one says it all. It's a great picture. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, I also doubled as location photographer, triple. How many jumps did I have on the film? Can't remember. Look at your I can't count that high. Found all of my. Once again, using every possible location we could find. We need another bedroom. I got a bedroom. We know the bedroom. You gave us access to one of the bedrooms. Yeah, this is actually my personal bedroom. Yes, it is. And, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's sort of weird. It's one thing when you're there filming, and then it's another thing later when the filming's over and you're getting on with your normal life and you're reviewing the cut and you watch the scene and go, oh, that's my friend Eric. With Sarah Jackson in my bed. My <laughs> <laughs> Rhea Golden. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. In your bed with your sheets? Uh, yes, those are my sheets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another example. Yeah, Elvis would have loved them in the jungle room. Oh. So I did pull them out specially. I don't always have them on the. Well, I wash them. I spent. They are my special occasion sheets, and I thought what would be most appropriate for this film, with this cast, and there is really only one fabric. That's a fantastic Sarah Jackson, who played my character's fiance in the film, and dominates all the scenes she's in, of course, in a good way. And uh, that comic book is uh, uh, was art by uh, Rhea Golden, written by George R. R. Martin, and uh, so we had, uh, as Jeff said, a lot of uh, uh, guest stars, and we also had guest star art. And in this case, uh, that was sent by Rhea to use in the film, all licensed appropriately. Um, so a lot of the very well-known artists uh, contributed uh, their works as comic books that got shot in the background or that a character was reading. Nate got to uh, do a scene where he's asleep, where, he, where he's grumbling, grumbling, griping about something in the store and he puts a comic book over his face and, and that was uh, uh, another fairly well-known comic book uh, uh, that, uh, that sent us the, uh, the book. And uh, So that was another really lovely thing. We had, we had guest stars, but we also had guest star art. And so this movie is uh, uh, really a movie about people um, but it's uh, it's also peripherally about comic books and books and, and artifacts. Dave Summers, like like Jeff did, have seen in the film where he bought he bought 
his own book uh, in, the, in the film. I love how it's all subtle, too. They're there, but it's nothing like, oh, look at this product placement. Right. It all just kind of fills in the background. The little Easter eggs yeah, throughout exactly. the film, which we thought was very kind of cool. Since it's a, it's a film about the world of comics, we wanted to really populate it. Oh, continuity error. But that's no, how the shot doesn't have gloves on. Oh, right. That's right. Gloves. Gloves. <laughs> Very well <laughs> yes, that was a location shot that, that is not a still from the film. See, this is why it's so nice to work with professionals. Ah, the Cafe Tromolo scene. That's another good example of, you know, I was telling Olivia before we got in here, I've, I've shot several movies over the years, and usually before the movies are out, most of the locations people have either moved away from or the place is no longer there. And that's already happened twice with this movie. Olivia has moved from her home, which was used as a location, and now this great restaurant is no longer there. But we immortalized we did in the movie. <laughs> and that's uh, Christina Pfluger, who plays Nate's love interest in a lot of love interests in this movie. Yeah, there are a lot of bedroom scenes in the movie, but all very tastefully done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. PG-13. Yeah. I, should, I should say, a lot of very good chemistry as well in between the performers. Hey, what have we been talking the about? The very topic we were speaking about. <laughs> I jumped the topic. Right? That guy. That guy. Sorry about that guy. So this is Lucas Turnbloom. <laughs> he is uh, a great friend of mine and a, a very famous cartoonist. And we met many years ago during when, Meteorite, when we were still making Meteorite Men. And he followed me on Twitter, and I followed him back right away because he was a cartoonist, and we started this dialogue, and, and uh, he goes, God, I love your show, and I'm crazy about meteorites, and I have this wacky idea, can I email you? And so we started this long dialogue, and he wanted to put my co-host Steve Arnold and me for Meteorite Men into his comic strip, which is called Imagine This, he was doing a daily strip at the time, as ourselves. And I'm a cartoonist and a comic book so I loved that, and we became friends, we've had a long history working together on projects. So when I got involved with the film, I thought, let's take this idea, because it was your guys' idea to have me, as how it all started, go into the shop and buy my book, and the same with David, let's really run with that, and populate the film with as many cartoonists and as much stuff from cartoonists as we can get. People that we knew, that we have permission to use, and so... I flew Lucas out from San Diego to, just to do this bit part, and it's so good. And he'd never acted before, he'd never done any filming. It was the very first day of shooting, wasn't yeah. it? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. we started, we started off the with a bang. It's the last scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the irony. And it's a very funny scene where Nate is, is trying to impress his love interest, and he goes over to this customer to do a, a hard sell, and, and Lucas just not interested. And, Nate's character pursues him and there's a very funny routine you have, to, you have to wait and see him. but at, at, the, end, at the end Nate's character goes here buy this you'll like it and again it's Lucas's own graphic novel so there's, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of referentiality there and on the left here is the fabulous Autumn Ivy who is a guest here she's a very well known cosplayer I'm sure a lot of you know her and she and her girlfriend were just more people that we called and said, we want to have you as extras in the film. We, we, it's, it's just, is there anyone in this film who's not associated with Tusco? Might be a better way to approach it. <laughs> a lot of these guys are pretty much nobody, I'd say. <laughs> Cartoonists, friends of mine that were met through uh, Frank Powers. So, so, so I'm sure all of you who were at the event last night will remember, well, how could you not remember the gentleman with the shaved head who was painted purple and blue oh, with the solar system suit. Well, well, that's my friend Frank Powers, and he is a real character. He's from New York, and he introduced us to these guys who are extras, and we, we just we just ran with it. And that is Frank. That is the guy who was in that unbelievably fantastic outfit last night. It's funny because at the astronomer's crib you were talking about smoke and remember that we were kept warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was doing that too, wasn't I? Yeah, it was yeah. And we were so concerned about too much smoke that we had the smoke machine. This was this was filmed at my office. And Another example. We, we, we took, so Barty's going, yeah, we, God, we don't have somewhere for the poker room. And I thought, hmm, I could probably use my back office for that. Uh, we converted, it's actually our shipping and receiving office at my company, and we converted the whole thing into a nightclub scene. 
and uh, that you did a fantastic job lighting that. That's mm -hmm. big so budget prop for that tablecloth. I need a white tablecloth that will reflect the light. Okay, I'm going to Target. <laughs> that's a, it's a really good example of just oh, we got to do something right now. We can't we can't go oh we'll sort it out, come back and reshoot it tomorrow. You have to it on the spot. And we realized that that day that we we didn't have we, we couldn't show the labels on uh, the beer and, and the, the whiskey that Bradford's character is drinking. Iced tea, I remember. So oh yeah, and I had to make iced tea with no bubbles in it. With no bubbles, yeah, be very still. So we just didn't give you whiskey. I don't know. Yeah, we should have just drink whiskey. Because we kept doing it over and yeah, over again. Right. And, and, and I'm running in and out with the smoke machine. We go, more smoke, more smoke. <laughs> running from the kitchen with the smoke machine. Too much smoke, too much smoke. <laughs> I mean, you never guess it from this, but there's as many people as you see on camera, there are twice as many people just behind the camera going, hold that up, move that, more smoke. Get iced tea with no bubbles in it. So, yeah, whenever you see that in a, in a movie, it's usually not whiskey. But we had to make all the labels and all that stuff really in the last minute. Franken friends again. Colorful extras. Pitch mm -hmm. in, we're all in this together. That's right. We're not union. It's not, oh, <laughs> I can't touch that sandbag on union. Yeah. We, don't, we all know it. <laughs> I mean, look, there's the Eric sandbag. even running the boom. I know. <laughs> yeah. I don't Insane. normally do that, though, because I suck at all. You only did it for stuff, me. But yeah, for you, for you, I do it. We all did a little bit of everything. From hippies on a commune. <laughs> There's Deacon in between Mark and uh, Cliff, and then there's Joe hiding in the background documenting the whole thing. Great thing about the documentary crew, you never knew they were there. They're, they're capturing everything behind us, and you know, as I'm cutting the movie, I don't even think about them. I forget they were even there, so Mark was could have done a better job. Mark was the most photogenic person on set. Right. <laughs> well, that's why he plays. He's he the only awesome camera operator video of it. who's an actor and he's captured it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's important. You know, don't go on and be like, oh, you know, your last scene that just sucked. You were horrible in <laughs> that. You can't tell people that. And you also can't show them that you're freaking out about anything because then they will pick up on that and think everything's going to hell. You got to. Take that all inside and then go home and let it all out. But on this one, that wasn't happening. So it was great. That's a good example of day one. Jeff comes in, we got this poster on the wall. He says, Take that down, I'm going to cut that border off of it. Because it'll look better. And you know what it did? And that, it, it, it felt like here we are on day one. We're there with scissors cutting up comic books in this colorful store. I'm like, Am I back in preschool? <laughs> fun though it was such a pitch in situation I mean particularly that day but there were so many times when like Eric with the boom and everybody did extra and you you often hear stories about oh actors were prima donnas or this <coughs> everyone on this film did multiple jobs and the the cast had a, lo a lot of dialogue to learn and comparatively short time to do your scenes, some of which were very complicated scenes. And and Olivia and Nate and Bradford, they're fantastic actors. You you guys all did such a good job. And you I've heard this over and over again from friends that I've my colleagues I've showed little clips to. They said you're one of the best acting drunks that they've ever seen. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even drink. I know that's really. what was so, so impressive you would literally watch him and I remember someone on set the first or second day that you were on, and everyone was like, "Is he drinking?" <laughs> and it's like, "No." And then you would, and then you were mostly method for most of the day, and then you came in the next day, and you're like, "Hey guys!" And I'm like, Bobby and I, are like, "Oh, that dude is seriously impressive." Yeah. Quite a discussion about you the night before, like, "Is that guy for real?" Yeah. <laughs> wrong with yeah. yeah. So tell us, oh, yeah. tell us about the throwing you out of the out of the bar scene. Oh, 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 yeah. That was. That was great. <laughs> it's a blast. You get to do these things that you know wouldn't never normally happen unless it was it could be painful. And uh, so it was great because Eric and Ginger really uh, and Josh actually he made it very um, safe. I Josh, feel like Josh wasn't, wasn't involved in that actually for getting thrown out. No, it was uh, that was actually it was a combination of. Uh, well, he had he well, had you thrown out. Well, but he wasn't the guy. Right, right. He didn't throw me out. Well, what I'm saying is that Josh was there before, and we had a long talk about oh, stunts. Oh, you did. Okay, oh, before we got oh, to the scene. So I felt, and then by the time 
you and Ginger got there, we had everything. Because being safe is also very important. You know, you're getting thrown into bags. Safety on first. Asphalt. On it's yeah. not worth it. You're it's just making a movie. That, that by the way, is talking about Josh Madsen, who, uh, who played uh, uh, Chow, uh, the, the sort of the, the, uh, uh, in the, in the bar scene where they're all gambling. He's sort of the big boss, and uh, he also spent many years working in Old Tucson. He's done a lot of stuff. He's, like he's a giant. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very solid oh. actor, and uh, worked with him many times. Uh, yeah. So we had, it was filmed at night, again at my office in the parking lot in the back, and, and Cliff and I worked on this for a long time, we got these trash bags, and big black trash bags, and we filled them up with torn up paper and bubble wrap and everything that we could find that would be good for padding, this concrete floor, yeah, and then Cliff very carefully got scissors and cut these long, these uh, long grooves in the bags, and he set it all up, and Eric's done a lot of fight choreography, and Eric and, and Marty are both very safety conscious and it was this and it was that and the test and kind of camera and this and that and Cliff and I are putting all these little tiny bits of paper and stuff all in so that they'll they'll poof out when he gets thrown and we should have that underneath that there, there was, was a also mattress. a there was oh a, right there was a mattress yeah. as well yeah. there was a multi-layer crash pad yeah. that we had tested many times it was very very safe yeah you fell on that I, I made sure yes, right yeah. on the back just oh. right flat yeah we actually was right yeah so we had, we'd all tested this thing before we let him near it, so. so the bouncer Director comes out. Tests. The <laughs> bouncer comes out. Throw, actually physically throws Bradford, and it was so fantastic. And he goes poof, and all of this stuff goes up in the air. All these little bits of paper, and it goes all over the place. And there's a moment of silence because you never want to be the guy that goes, "Oh, that was fantastic!" <laughs> so everyone's being very quiet, and then Cliff goes cut, and then we're all kind of like, "Oh." Oh, that was really good. And then you said, should we do a safety? <laughs> I think it's you, Marty. You go, I'm not going to mess with the film guards on this because that was so good. Nobody was injured. We're not going to do it again. Yeah, next time, Brad will hit the page. Yeah. Right? Like, that was Uh-oh. virtually Over the only scene that we only did one time. Yeah, one day. Especially yeah. for an elaborate stunt. Yeah. It's, it's great. But I love that. We're not going to mess with it. You know, the director always goes, yeah, let's get a safety. And, uh, do it. No, let's do it. Let's do it from another angle. No. We were like, Bob, it was good. It looks good. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Exactly. All right. Oh. Jeff cutting out. Uh, we we had to commission some artwork for the movie because there was the storyline involving uh, this fictional comic book called Frenzy, and there was a very special issue of it. And then we had to get somebody to do the artwork for us. And so here's Jeff's workstation where he's cutting out the pages and making the fake comics worse. There's Val Kilmer up in the corner. <laughs> and that was that was Rhea Goldman's art again. Yeah. She she did a cut. She was she's. Uh, uh, very well known cartoonist, and she did uh, she did custom art of uh, of the of one of the of a very important comic book cover for this movie. So that's an original. And there, there's an amusing little thing here. I I dialogued with Cliff a lot on doing the artwork, and I put the text in. And, and the day that I was doing it, I was listening to the Misfits <laughs> and their punk band. It's one of Cliff's favorite bands. And, and, and last, this song, Last Caress, came on while I was doing the artwork. And I go, God, that's a dynamite song. And I just put it on repeat play, and I listened to it about 20 times while I'm doing the cover. And I go, oh, man, one last caress. Then die, Danny, die. And then I sent it to Cliff, and I go, it's the Misfits. I did it specially for you. So, yeah. so that's, that's what I mean about having fun with it. It's just, it's, it's, uh, and Toko having oh, fun. And in the fake labels. Yeah, this is my oh, favorite yeah. bit. So in the bar scene, there's uh, shelving in the background, and you or Cliff said, oh, we need cases of beer in the background because it's a bar. So I sent one of my staff to the liquor store and said, I know the owner, just tell him that Jeff sent you, and could we have empty cases of beer? And I, box, boxes, beer boxes, I don't mind paying a few bucks, whatever. We'll give you a thank you in the movie. So they come back with all these boxes, and it was day off. And I go, God, the guys are arriving in about two hours. I better really get it together. So I just invented all these labels, and everyone is named after famous cartoonists. So you'll know Jack Kirby. And that was my favorite Kirby, Krakatoa, Savage, Nickel, Fist, India, Pale So, you know, Jack Kirby of Thor, Fantastic Four, and, you know, everybody pummeling everybody in his comic books. And you all picked your favorite. Uh, yeah, everybody got to, yeah, all the, so all the producers got to pick. One. I, I never could settle on one, and mine would have been Romero Red, but he's a film director. It would have, oh, I would have done that. Yeah. But see, it's good because it's all comic artists. 
Yeah. And, and they're prominently <laughs> featured too. It's yeah, you really see it. Yeah. As long as you do all this work and you can't even see it in the movie, but nothing else. And we, we saved all of those, so when we do the next Kickstarter, if you want one, you be sure to let us know. And, and same, same, oh, the same yeah. with the uh, beer labels that, that we had to make. Number eight. Don't forget why you're doing this. We make movies because we love them. And it should be for anything that you do that, that you, that great that you want to do for a living. It should be something that you I'm enjoy. Like it. And I've done a bunch of projects over the years. I've never had this much fun. That's a great picture. Olivia, what what what, what I, are I'm your talking favorite? to someone apparently. Oh, I thought you were just doing your kind of No. I have no idea. So what what's a what's a favorite recollection for you of the mm. adventure? Um, there are a lot of them. Um, I I think maybe when the three of us were working together. I don't really want to give a whole lot away, but we working together on breaking up a fight. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. But, uh, that was a great scene. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, there was a little bit of improv in one of my scenes that um, I was dared. I said, um, I can't remember who was with me, and said, you know, it would be really funny if you did this. And I did it. It stayed. It stuck. We kept it. It was pretty funny. Um, Oh, I know. That was awesome. Yeah, that's exactly. That's <laughs> that one. was perfect. Yeah. That's one somebody somebody was inside with You'll me like and said it'd be very funny if uh, if you did that. She, <laughs> she improved it, and the person she improved with also improved it well. So yeah, awesome. didn't skip a beat. Nothing. Yeah. Just kept on going. Um, yeah, I think I think um, overall my favorite. <laughs> I'm just skipping uh, through some stuff because I wanted to. My favorite uh, anything was um, everyone. Everyone was very humorous about everything. I like um, that. That. Yeah. that was the last day of shooting when we had <laughs> and my little tattoo there. shop. Um, they had to teach you how to uh, properly tattoo, which is cool because the guy who, who a Christian who runs that tattoo shop is called what's it called? Black Black, Black Rope Black? Black Dragon or something like that. I Jeez, think so. think I pass it every day. Stuff, but <laughs> he was awesome enough to let us use his uh, very nice his shop. Uh, I just went in and asked. He didn't know who we were. It's like, oh, movie, cool, I like movies. It's like, really, that easy? And we were running over, and he, he came back and said, oh, you guys need a few more hours? Oh, okay, we're sorry, we, we're almost done. He's all, just do good work. And he walked off. Drop away. Bye. It's like, really? You're just going to leave us with your shop? Just do good work. And yeah. I still can't get over He that. sat with me because um, uh, the first time I held it, it was from the very back. And yeah. it looked ridiculous. Well, like, it's I like how he does tattoo like that. It's uh. like... Hold, uh, it's good he to said, have. no, hold, hold it, hold it like this. And yeah, just would, don't, don't put your foot on the pedal. Well, that was always yeah. scary. What? You already messed with me with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Everyone was very curious about everything, and we made the film. We, we were, we all stayed on task. We all were very professional about it, but we were also having fun, um, and definitely throwing in movie quotes and oh, yeah. <laughs> television quotes, and just making it very fun. Um, I've, I've read a couple um, here and in Florida, because I'm from Florida, I've read a couple of comedic scripts, and I noticed our very first read-through um, really surprised me of just how much I enjoyed the script, even before I, we went through the read-through and I heard everyone saying their lines. Um, I thought it was a very funny script, and I have not read any funny scripts up until now, up until this one. I thought that was really good. So, Just wanted to mention, this... This is known as an art city, and everybody here would love to help you out make your movie. And you can get this story here where this guy says, sure, you can use my location. This is not that unusual. You can get amazing locations that, that I, well, for instance, the, the, the last film I shot, I met an L.A. film guy who said, if you shot that movie in L.A., your location expense would be $50,000. And here, it was zero. Because just ask people. They say, sure, you can come shoot here. Just like that. Coffee shop, a restaurant, a nightclub, and, and, and an industrial building back end. I mean, you, it, all this stuff is available just by being a normal person and not a weirdo and asking permission. And having the drive to actually go and, and, and ask. To do it. But people, total strangers, will help you out with things that they know are impossible, like locations. So if you're making your movie and you've got an exotic location and can be found here, ask. 
You can get it. You can get it. You can actually get it. That's the lesson. Nate, would you would you tell us about this day? <laughs> same scene that uh, she mentioned a few minutes ago. Here. Was um, this a scene or was this an outburst? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, uh, get it was your reaction. There was a reaction there. Yeah. <laughs> Stop, I got, I got, that was that was great. We actually filmed that scene in, in two separate days, as I recall. Yeah. One was early on. Then we had to go back and do uh, some of the other stuff. I think this was from the second day. Yeah. Uh, lower down and because uh, of the early crash mat, which is. Yeah, the day Eric missed it, his knee hit the floor. I'm oh, like, God. Yeah, we, we had some issues. I love it that we even worked on a project that has the phrase early crash mat in it. Right. <laughs> As opposed to the late crash mat. Which was much better. I got beat up a lot in this movie. You do. You get I, abused quite a bit. I, I get slapped. I, I, we need to have a running count at oh, some point. Yeah, when we put oh, together all the outtakes, yeah. easily During this scene, he said to me, hey, or he said to us, you can squeeze harder, I can handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure it looked good. Yes, you know? does it look real enough? Is he squeezing me hard enough? Dude, do you see the Don't tendons in his, in his hands coming out? You know? Well, Eric's a professional actor, so he actually was not choking him at all. Actually, that'd be a good drinking game. Is that every time Nate's character gets strangled or punched, or... I challenge anyone to make it through that. Yeah. <laughs> out twenty minutes into the movie. Love it. Well, we got about five minutes left for our panel here. Uh, let's uh, see if we can. How many more pictures do we have? Oh, it's just, just a few. Oh, perfect. Then we, we hit our mark. Okay. Uh, Any I questions? Feel like, from I feel like we didn't hear enough. Yeah, we didn't hear. Yeah. yeah. Really? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. I want to make sure everybody gets some cool. Look at that. Look at that scene. I love it. <laughs> My favorite, was, so my yeah. favorite scenes with you are the driving scenes. The driving scenes, are great. just yeah. yeah, and it's it's again, it was my car as well. They go, yeah, we no. need a funny old beaten up car. No, I've got this old car, car that I drove out from New York many years ago, and I just can't bear to junk it. And well, we, we had such an experience in it, you know, just that night when we're filming all the green screen scenes, and it's uh, just being able to like you know be insane in the car. And uh, and I think it was, we were saying rapport and the relationships with everybody in the movie was great. Like you know, I, it's the first time I had met a lot of everyone here, and it was uh, it was just such a treat. And especially with Rachel, like you know, we're okay. We know we have some, <coughs> some intimate scene. That, you know, we're gonna do, and it's just like we just became so close and buddies, and like. And it's just that helps a lot. And I think. you get slapped a lot. And I get slapped yeah. a lot. Yeah, I've got a bit too. of a Pavlovian response now when I get kissed <laughs> because I know what comes after that, and it's it's, it's still sore. Um, but yeah, it was it was just so so much fun. I mean, I just this was a blast. This was just a good fun every day going, and like you said, no drama. Um, the seriousness and egos and things like that. Like it just I didn't... think the worst thing that happened was we'd start to shoot and somebody would walk in the store and say, okay, uh, yeah. gotta wait for 20 minutes until they're done shopping. Just the logistical okay, thing. Okay, ready to shoot again, you'd have that slate up, another person comes in. Yeah. And it happened the third time, and that's when Cliff's like, Cliff, oh my god, god. it's Cliff like, lost it but then when one. you see the actual scene, yeah. you never even know if there was any of that. Yeah. And wasn't there one customer who was in the store for so long that you just put him into the movie? He wasn't actually yeah. an extra. Yeah. Sign release. Sign release. Movie. Okay. <laughs> that was Isle of Games there. Yeah. That's Cliff being Spielberg. <laughs> Do we have any, any questions from the audience? That's my arm. <laughs> that was fun because I made tattoos. I did that tattoo. And you did that tattoo, and it was amazing. So, so if I may, uh, so one thing I think we may have neglected to say: so Revenge of Zoe is a film set obviously largely in a comic book store, and it's uh, really a film about uh, about friendship and and uh, and the boundaries of friendship. Um, and uh, the basic plot line is uh, a uh, a famous screenwriter. Has to write a uh, a film based on a on one of the most famous comic books in this world we've created, and uh, he had done it has a sequel to something he's written before, and he worked with these two owners of a comic book store to create it the first time, and then he really screwed them over, and they're very angry at him, and he gets a lot of money to write another script, and he has to do it quickly, so he has to convince them to help, and uh, he also has a bit of a problem with many substances. And uh, <laughs> uh, and gambling debt and lots of other things. So it's kind of this film is 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 about how 
you know, friendship can heal wounds. Uh, there's lots of fantasy scenes. Uh, we're not entirely sure throughout the movie, for example, if the superheroine is real or not. Um, there's uh, and then there's a bunch of kooky uh, characters in the film who make up uh, the, the world. <laughs> yeah, the, the, world, the world that these guys Strong live in, uh, including uh, uh, the, the tattoo artist next door who regularly breaks up fights of the two comic book store owners and things yes, like that. Yes, the women are the yeah. strong characters. They are, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought it was really funny because uh, um, I played a series of roles up to this where I was the badass who cleans yeah. out the room and walks away with everyone else lying on the floor groaning or bleeding. And, uh, and, and I'm the one getting beaten up by women in this film. And, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and, and everybody. I mean, my character was about the wimpiest in the entire film. Well, like, sort of. I mean, I don't think... There's illusions in the script that my character couldn't really actually hurt you. Um, but well, you uh, appear to be the most conservative character, yeah. but behind closed doors, you're definitely as demonstrated in my bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty weird. Let me tell you. So there's a lot. Of It'd be one thing if we weren't friends. I go, oh, they came to film. There's a lot of fun stuff in this film, though. Lots of lots of like I said, you know, Easter eggs, lots of geek culture references, lots of great guest stars. And, uh, and and it's now in um, just about at yeah. the picture lock stage before we go into color correction, and it's looking really sharp. Yes, yeah. uh, due to the efforts of our crew, our cast, our, uh, our producers, everyone who played a part in it. So please do, as as this says, follow us, check us out, and uh, um, by some early next year. You know, super impressed by Bradford because all of the drugs he takes are fake. Yeah, you know, he was Very literally crazy. microwaving mushrooms in, <laughs> we're talking about household mushrooms that you eat, not shrooms, to be big shrooms, and he's like tripping out, and I, this guy's an ace, it's like, he's really high? No, those were literally mushrooms and soy sauce. <laughs> uh, I'd like to add one thing, please, which is, this film is going to have a kick-ass rock and roll soundtrack, oh, yeah. and this is something that we all wanted. We talked about it from the beginning. We're all rock and roll fans, and a lot of the movies that we care about over the years are very. Are, there's so much that's added to them because of the soundtrack, and it's we're we're not licensing famous music. Um, and the official story is because you know we're indie punk and we don't want to establish bands. But the truth is, we can't afford it. Yeah. So we so we are featuring a lot of up and coming bands. That have friends and friends of friends and some bands that I worked with in the old days and it's very much like the comic book thing let's feature people that we know whose work that we like and it's an example of how you can all work together with other artists so we, we approached 10 or 12 bands and said hey how would you like to contribute to the soundtrack and we're going to pay them a bit because we always believe in paying the artists when, when we can but if, you, if you're a music fan and a comic book fan you're going to like this film we got both of them jams together like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. And someone who appreciates the independent spirit. This is all about working together for mutual benefit and uh, and supporting each other through the intensely difficult work of being an artist um, and, uh, and doing that in such a way that we can all love each other through that process. So. I, I really feel like a better person at, at the end of it. It was such an enriching experience. and. It, it reminds me of being in a band, it reminds me of being in art school. So thanks for the opportunity to Thank be part you. of your movie. Yeah. Well, as I like to like punk rock filmmaking. Yeah, man! Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, thank you all. Thank you so much for being here.